0: appreciate the privilege to be back again tonight. If you have your Bible, uh, turn to the book of Luke, please, Luke chapter number 16. Appreciate uh, Brother Turk and your people being here, all the visitors, and all you that have been faithful to come each night. And I do thank you for taking too good care of us. And something you need to remember, church, is the Bible says, Thou shalt not kill. And when a preacher eats too much <laughs> before before he preaches, it's it might not be good. So y'all pray for me. Um, um, I had a good lunch, and and um, we had come in and had a wonderful meal here, and and um, I thank the Lord for taking care of us. So um, um, the subject tonight, in taking it out of Luke sixteen, is the subject of hell. Amen. The um, really, it's more than a subject. Hell is the eternal home of all that will die lost in their sin, as Sister Pam said, without Christ. The Bible plainly teaches us that there is a hell. I wish there wasn't. I wish there wasn't. The Bible teaches us that it's an eternal torment in flames. The Bible teaches us that there's no escape. The Bible teaches us uh, that hell was created for the devil and his angels, Amen. not for mankind. That's right. But the Bible also teaches us that though all those who reject Christ and die lost in their sin will go there. Amen. I really wonder, do we really believe in hell like we say we do? Amen. If we did, I'm sure that we would... Be more burdened over our lost loved ones. Amen. If we really did, I, I, we would be consistently praying for the loss that we know by name. Yeah. Right. If we really did believe in hell, I believe we'd be moved to warn others of the coming wrath of God. If we really believed in hell, I think we'd warn them with a tear in our eye right. instead of an argument instead of an argumentative spirit, in order to try to win a debate. If you'll study your Bible, you'll find that Jesus preached more on hell than he did on heaven. I ask myself the question, do I believe in hell like I should? Don't take me wrong, hell is real. It's everything that the Bible says and probably more. But I think we just like to push the thoughts of our loved ones, those that we do, that don't know Christ, to the back of our mind, so we don't have to face it. So we don't have to think about it. I think if we, as saved people, started thinking on the reality of hell, that would be much more effective. That we would be a much more effective witness for the Lord. I believe if lost people would contemplate and think about the reality of hell, there'd be a lot more lost people under conviction and getting saved. The uncertainty of life and the certainty of death ought to make saved people more conscious of their lost friends and loved ones and it ought to make the lost more aware of their need Amen. of salvation. Take your Bible, if you will, and stand with me. We're going to read our scripture. Luke chapter number 16 tonight. We're going to begin reading in verse number 19. Luke chapter number 16 and verse number 19. Father, we thank you for the day, for the privilege it is, Lord, to be able to read your word, to have a copy, many copies of the word of God. Lord, we come to you tonight needing your help, praying for your touch, asking for your mercy. Lord, I pray that you'd touch my tongue, my mind, help me to say everything you once said, nothing more, nothing less. I pray that you'd speak to each heart here tonight, those who are saved, those who are not. I pray, God, that you'd do a work in our hearts. Wilt thou not revive us again, Lord, that thy people may rejoice in thee? God, I pray that you'd bless now the reading of thy word. Lord, I pray that you just have your will and way, and we'll ask you, ask you these things in Jesus' wonderful and lovely name. Amen. Keep standing as we read here tonight, Luke 16, verse number 19. These are the words of Jesus right straight from the Bible. It says, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, the rich man is talking about, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off Between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they come also into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, What's he mean by that? It means they had the word of God. What Moses said and what the prophets said. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, let them hear the word of God. And he said, verse 30, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I've had many regrets in my life, but I've never, ever regretted getting saved. Like I said, I've had many regrets, and there's no doubt that every one of us have. We have regrets in this life while living here on this earth. Sometimes it's the regret of an unwise decision ends up costing us money. Sometimes it's the regret of a loose tongue that ends up costing us a friend. Sometimes it's the regret of procrastination that ends up costing us opportunities. Sometimes it's the regret of not witnessing when we should have. Sometimes it's the regret of, on and on the list can go. But what I want to preach to you tonight is the regrets of a sinner in hell. Yes, sir. The regrets. You don't hear much today, much preaching today, uh, on the, on the um, topic or subject uh, of hell. And that's a shame. Amen. William Booth. Now, William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. We wouldn't agree with everything that he said or believed, but he, he, li- he lived uh, from 1829 to 1912. And William Booth founder of the Salvation Army, said this, what I'm about to tell you, before the year 1875. William Booth said that the danger of the 20th century will be this. And he listed, I think it's five things here. He said, number one, it will be regeneration without repentance. That's where we are today. People want, want God, they want to be saved, they want to go to heaven, but they don't want to repent. He also said the danger of the 20th century will be conversion without conviction. How much of that do we see today? People wanting to get saved. People wanting to say they're uh, going to heaven. But, they're not, but conviction has never been a part of their life. He also said that the danger of the 20th century uh, would, would be uh, salvation without lordship. They want the Savior, but they don't want to be in control of their life. They don't want him to be boss. They don't want him to do what the Word of God tells them to do. That not only that, he said the danger of the 20th century would be heaven without hell. How many religions and preachers and churches today say, it's really, hell's really not real? The Bible says it is. He also went on to say that the danger of the 20th century would be Christianity without the Holy Ghost. How many times are we now doing it our way? Self-sufficient. Jesus is on the outside knocking. A lot of times we use that verse evangelistically. If any man hear my voice, he said, he's out on the outside. He said, open the door and I'll come to him. Really, that's, he's knocking on the church to put him out. I want to preach tonight on the regrets of A sinner in hell I want to take my subject my my points here from the verses that we've just read here in Luke chapter number 16 and we want to talk a little bit about this rich man first of all I'd like to point out that this rich man did not go to hell because he was rich and Lazarus did not go to heaven because he was poor the rich man went to hell because he was lost and Lazarus went to heaven or paradise as it's talking about right here in the context because he was saved the Bible's plain and clear on that, and we'll deal with that, Lord willing, in the, in the context. Here, here, number one, I'd like to say the rich man, reg- the regrets of a sinner in hell is, number one, that he had money that he couldn't spend. He had money, but he couldn't spend it. Look what the Bible says here in our verse. Verse number 19 says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and, and fine linen, and it, the Bible tells us that he fared sumptuously Every day. The Bible also tells us here that there is a beggar the name of Lazarus that sat at this rich man's gate. So this, man, this rich man had a property. He had a gate. He had things. He had, he had money. He had food. He had clothes. He had many things. Some people make money and lose it before they die. But the rich man here in our text, uh, here we've got an example of a man that died with plenty of money in the bank. The Bible says in Matthew 16, in verse number 26, For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It goes on to say, Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I'll tell you what he'll give. He'll give everything he's got. He'll give everything he's got and a lot more. You say, how much did the rich man leave when he left? How much did he leave? He left it all. He didn't take none of it with him. He left it all. I believe that we could safely say that this rich man would have given everything he had and more if he had another opportunity to be saved. Catholicism will teach you that if your loved ones die and that if you'll give enough money to the Catholic organization... That you, once you finally give enough money that you can get your loved one out of purgatory that's a lie straight out of hell it's not in the Bible there was a rich man in the book of Luke Bible tells us in that context there in, verse, in chapter number 12 he said he, he, it seemed like he had the world by the tail had all of these things he said I got all of these things and what am I going to do God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? I don't want you to get to thinking tonight. I don't want you to get to thinking that rich people are excluded from being saved. No, 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 no. Uh, God wants all to be saved. And the Bible tells us that He's not willing that any should perish over in the book of 2 Peter uh, chapter number 3 and verse number 9. The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, uh, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. It goes on to say uh, He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance God wants every individual uh, to repent of their sin and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their payment uh, for sins uh, cost uh, and curse on their life so that they don't have to go to hell Jesus paid it all 1 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 4 says who will have all men to be saved not some not a certain few not a certain race, he said, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, the reason that Jesus, you know, Jesus did say that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He did say that. Why did he say that? Why did Jesus say that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of heaven. Why did he say that? Well, the v- previous verse was, he said, Children, how hard, it is, this, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Why did Jesus say it's hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of heaven? Because they want to trust what they're holding on to. Amen. We can't get into heaven on our own. Amen. On our own merits, on our own money. No, 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 no. Hold your place here in in, um, Luke 16. Turn over to Psalm 49, please. Psalm 49. We'll be back in Luke 16 just a moment. Hold your place there. Psalm 49 and verse uh, number 6. Psalm 49 and verse number 6. The Bible says here, They that trust in their wealth, and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. You see, the only way to be redeemed is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it talks about here how the the soul, uh, it ceaseth forever. It just lives on and on and on and on. Regrets of a sinner in hell. Number one, he had money that he couldn't spend. Second, tonight, I want you to look at Luke 16 and verse number 24. And I'd like to say he had a misery that could not be explained. Look at our verse, Luke 16 and verse number 24. And he cried and said, now he's died. He lift up his, the Bible says he lift up his eyes in hell in verse number, uh, uh, in verse number 23, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And look what he said here. I'm talking about a misery that cannot be explained. It says, and he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his water finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. Amen. You and I know, you and I know that one drop of water on the tip of a finger is not going to satisfy a hot, thirsty man that's been working on top of this earth. Let alone one that's in the midst of a fire. It's not going to satisfy. But for some reason, he seemed to think that one drop of water, I'm talking about to the tip of his finger, one drop of water, he believed uh, that it would cool his tongue. I want you to think tonight, I want you to think uh, 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 to never ever be able to get another drop of water uh, for all of eternity. I'm dry here preaching tonight. You can probably tell it, but I got some water I can fall back on. But I want you to think about forever. And forever, and forever, and never, ever, ever having another chance to get another drop of water. I'm talking about thirsty, 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 water, water. Water, can you hear him cry out if you think that people are miserable uh, in this life? It does not even compare uh, to what people are suffering today in hell. I'm talking about he had a misery that we can't even explain. Thirdly, tonight, I want you to look, if you will, at verse number 25. I'm talking about the regrets of a rich man in hell. Anybody in hell, he doesn't have to be a rich man. Number three. He has a memory that wouldn't go away. Look at what our verse says in chapter 16 in verse number 25. He says, but Abraham said, son, remember. 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 I'm talking about a memory that wouldn't go away. As a matter of fact, If you'll study these verses here, you'll find that this man has all of his senses. If you'll look in verse number 23, it says that he lift up his eyes. He could see. It didn't say he lifted in the past. It said he lift in the present. He's still lifting up his eyes today. He lift. He could see. He lifted up his eyes. Verse number 24, he's asking for water. He could taste. Verse number 24 again, he said, I'm tormented in this flame. He could feel. Amen. All right. Verse number 25, uh, Abraham said to him, son. You say, why did he say son? Because he was a child of Israel. Amen. Right. He's a child of Abraham, I should say. He, he, was in, he was in the lineage of Abraham. He was religious, but he was not converted. He could trace his family back to Abraham. Just because you got a good family, not going to get you there. I knocked on the door of a lady that was not too far from our, our house where we live in Australia, and, and she said, my granddad was a Christian. He was a preacher. I was born in a Christian family. I've never sinned. I said, ma'am, you just did. You told a lie. Amen. I wasn't trying to be smart. But we don't get our faith from our family. We inherit, we inherit our sin nature from our family, not our faith. He said, son, remember. Remember. He had a, he had a memory that wouldn't go away. He said, oh, I don't believe that preacher. I, I believe you just, if you die and go to hell, you're just going to burn up. Well, not according to what the Bible says. The Bible says in Mark 6 and verse number 48 where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. The fire is not put out. And he says the worm doesn't die and it's in hell forever and ever and ever and ever. He had a memory that wouldn't go away. I believe that every sinner in hell remembers the opportunities they had to be saved. I, I, they, they remember saying no. Saying no to the person inviting them to church. They remember saying, I'm going to get saved. I'm just going to wait a while. Uh, they remember that invitation hymn that was extended just for them. They remember the Holy Spirit tugging on their heart uh, to be saved. No doubt there's regrets upon this earth. but They do not compare to the regrets of a sinner in hell. Amen. Number four, I want you to look at verse number 24 again. He had a memory that wouldn't go away, but he asked for mercy that couldn't be obtained. Look at verse number 24. He said, and cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. He said, send that man that was by my gate asking for something from me. And if, you know, I, I really wonder if he had to stop that Lazarus probably could have led him to Christ or pointed him to Christ. He said, send Lazarus. Lazarus." He said, I see Lazarus over there in, in paradise. Now, now at this, in this time, in Bible time, paradise, where people died that were saved, went to paradise, which was then in the heart of the earth. Amen. And after Calvary, paradise was taken to the third heaven. So in the context, this rich man went to hell, and he was in hell, and he could see Abraham and Lazarus afar, a great way off. And he said, he said, you can't come to us and we can't come to you. He said, there's a great gulf uh, between us. It almost reminds me of a great chasm like the Grand Canyon or something like that. He said, we'd like to go to you and you'd like to come to us, but we can't go. We can't do that. But wow. I mean, here he's asking, he's asking for, he's asking for mercy. He, he's, he's asked for mercy that could not be obtained. He said, he said, he said, Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his water tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Amen. He said, have mercy on me. The sad thing is that this man knew what to ask for. He knew to ask for mercy. But he asked too late. Amen. You're there in Luke 16. Turn your Bible to the right to Luke 18. There's a publican here. publican was a tax collector. Nobody liked him. They have the reputation of taking more than they, could, than they should and lining their own pockets. Nobody liked them. Probably nobody here likes the IRS either. But that, you know how it is. So here we have a publican. And in verse number nine it says Luke eighteen verse number nine, and he spake a parable unto a certain which trusted in themselves Jesus this is Jesus he said they trusted themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. He said, two men went up the temple to pray, one a Pharisee. Now the Pharisees ones that thought they had it all together, they had their white whited robes and had everything on, and Jesus compared to compared them to Uh, whited sepulchers. Now a sepulcher is a grave and it's been been whited out and it looks pretty and it's been painted. But Jesus said, but inwardly you're full of dead men's bones. So what Jesus was saying, he said, you look good on the outside, you're whited. But inside, he said, you're dead. So here we've got two men. Two went up the temple to pray. One's a Pharisee and the other is a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He said, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He said, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Look at verse number 13. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and everyone that humbled himself shall be exalted. Here we've got two men, we've got two prayers, and we've got two outcomes. The publican prayed the same prayer that the lost man went to hell and prayed, "God be mercy, God have mercy upon me." You said, "What's the difference?" The rich man prayed too late. Amen. The publican prayed on this side of the grave. Hebrews chapter number nine and verse number twenty-seven and says, "As an appointed of men wants to die, but after this the judgment. There's only the only time a sinner will get out of hell and stand before and stand before God is at the great white throne judgment." and then to be cast into the lake of fire. Right. Turn your Bible, please, and we'll read some of that. Revelation chapter number 20. Yeah. Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation 20 and verse number 13. Back up to verse number 12. John said, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire, uh, which this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast... Into the lake of fire. Amen. So right now, someone, this is this is this is at the end. This is at the great white throne judgment. Right. This is when this is when everybody that's 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 uh, died lost is resurrected and stand before God. The Bible says to be absent for, for a saved man. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the we got somebody that dies and they're saved. We go bury them in the graveyard. We know, we know their body has been left behind. Sometimes it's three to five, maybe ten days before we even have the funeral. We know the body's still there. You understand? Right, sir. Doesn't, and even if a lost person, we know the body is still there. But the spirit, what's on the inside, is either in heaven or hell. Right. But here... At the, at the great white throne judgment, when death and hell is resurrected to stand before God, it says that they're cast into the lake of fire. You say, well, preacher, what's the difference between hell and the lake of fire? In hell, the lost man goes there, his, his soul and his spirit goes there, but at, at, the, at the lake of fire, he's resurrected and then judged and then cast into the lake of fire, uh, body, soul, and spirit. Amen. Lake of fire would be much worse more worse Amen. than the than hell. He had money he couldn't spend. He had a misery that he couldn't explain that we can't explain. He had a memory that wouldn't go away. He asked for mercy that couldn't be obtained. But look back at our text. Number five, I'd like to say that. He had a message that would never be sent. Look at verse 27. Luke 16, verse number 27. So Abraham's convinced him, You can't come to us and we can't come to you. Verse 27, he said, Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. He said, I got five brothers. He said, that he said, I want Lazarus to go there that he may testify unto them, lest they, my five brothers, also come into this place of torment. Amen. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they'll repent. He had a message, it wouldn't be sent. He wanted Abraham have Lazarus go tell his brothers how to avoid going to hell. Amen. I wonder if anyone ever went to his brother's house. I wonder, I wonder if they ended up in hell uh, with their rich brother. I wonder, I wonder if his brothers are there with him. Why? Why are we here? Why? Why? Uh, we, were, we were religious. We, we, were, we, were, we, were a, we were a child of Abraham. We were, we were all in the right, uh, going the right way. Oh, no, it's not who you're akin to. It's who you know. Amen. Personally, the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. I wonder if they ended up in hell with their rich brother. He's saying, don't come here. I can't am- imagine. It was good to see my sister today. I hadn't got to see her in some time. Is good to catch up, but I can't imagine being in a place where I never, so bad that I never, ever, ever, ever want to see my loved ones again because it's that bad. Amen. That's how bad it is. The Lord commanded us to send the gospel message around the world as believers, as the church. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8. He says, And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm glad you're supporting missionaries. But that don't relieve us of our responsibility to reach Jerusalem. We've got to reach our neighbors. You see, Jerusalem is where they lived. Samaria was their province or their state. Or, or Judea was their province or their state. Uh, uh, Samaria was where the Samaritans lived. They didn't, they didn't like them over there because they were, they were half-breeds, right. half-Jew and half Gentile. They were prejudiced against them. They'd go all the way around the land of Samaritans, Samaria because they didn't like them. Amen. God said, I want you to go to the people you don't like, the people you don't right. like. And he said, wherever else, where you are, where you live, he said, that's, that's our responsibility. He said, both. That's all at the same time. Right. We got a responsibility to take the gospel To all the world, he had a message that would never get sent. Lastly, tonight, in verse number six, he had a moment that could never be recovered. You talk about the regret of a lifetime. This is this is it. He's in hell with never ever another chance to be saved. He would never, ever, ever have another chance uh, to to call on God for salvation. Uh, He's still in hell today. We don't know how long he's been there, but we know he's been there for over 2,000 years. And the only reprieve that he has to look forward to is stand before God and hear him say, I never knew you, and to be cast in the lake of fire. The sad thing is this man knew how to be saved. He knew how to be saved, and for some reason he put he he put it off and said no to God. This man knew several things, as a matter of fact, about about uh, salvation. He he the Bible. Where you see right here in verse number twenty-four. He knew how to pray. Right. He, he knew how to be saved in verse number thirty. He said he says somebody went to my brothers. He said they'll repent. He knew that if he knew if his brothers would repent, they wouldn't go to hell. He knew that he had to repent Amen. to get out of, out of hell and go to if you're on your way to hell you need to won't go to heaven you got to repent if your sin trust Jesus Christ Amen. he knew he knew that others needed to be saved he knew how to be he knew how to pray he knew how to be saved he knew that, uh, how, he knew that others need to be saved and he, he even knew that it takes a lot to persuade a lost man to be saved. Sometimes it's hard to convince people. You need to be saved. You're going to die one day. If you die without Christ, sometimes he says, ah, you know. know." He knew that it's hard to convince. He said if somebody went to them from the dead, they'll repent. He was thinking about Lazarus going. I'm telling you what, Jesus Christ resurrected. He has resurrected. He's not in the tomb today. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's in control. And I'm telling you, he did rise from the dead. People are still not believing. It's still hard to convince a lost man that they need to be saved. You may think you had plenty of time, but you may not. I might not make it back to the motel room tonight. The Bible says in Proverbs 27 and verse number 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We was in on furlough from Australia, we was visiting, reporting the Ministry of Sporting Churches, and it was Easter Sunday, 2009. We'd come back to our home church. we were there, and I'd met Brother Ray Jones. Brother Ray and his wife had joined the church when we was in Australia, and he's just a precious man, a Godly man. He was a plumber, and he sat right in front of me in church on Easter Sunday. The next day he was going to work. He was in his probably late 50s. Next day he was going to work, driving through Buckhead, the suburb there of Atlanta, and a huge tree fell, landed on him. He never even knew it. He was planning on keeping on working, planning on coming home that day, seeing his wife, He loved his grandchildren. He's saved. I'm glad he is saved. My point is, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what tomorrow holds. The Bible says in James 4, in verse number 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. That vapor that you see when you're filling up your gasoline and you see a little bit of it coming out, it's there and it's gone. That vapor that you see on the, on the cook stove, on the pot, and it's coming out when you're boiling your potatoes to mash them up, it's there, and it's gone. That vapor that you see on the road uh, from the heat, heat, it's there, and it's gone. Our life, we may live a long time. My granddad lived to be 97 years old. That's a long time on this earth. But it's not a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? So even a vapor that appear for a little time and then vanish away. If God's dealing in your heart, you better get saved. That's the plain truth. You better get saved because you don't have the promise of tomorrow. We don't have the promise of Him dealing in our heart again. Bible says in Genesis chapter number six and verse number three, and the Lord said, "My spirit shall not always strive with man." Bible says in John six forty four, Jesus said, "No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him." You see, that's when you can be saved. When God's drawing you, when God's Amen. convicting you, that's when you can come to Christ. You say, "Oh, I'm gonna put it off." You better, you put it off, and He might not be dealing with you again. Amen. Don't put Him off. Don't tell God no. Proverbs 29, and verse number 1 says, He that being often... You say, this is a hard verse, Brother Ellis. Listen to it. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck. You say, oh, he's dealing with me, and I'm just going to stiffen up. I'm going to harden my neck. It says, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. There's a lot of love in that verse. You said, Brother Ellis, I didn't hear love in that verse one time. It says, he that being often reproved, Hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. You say, where's the love in that word, verse? It's in the word often. It's in the word often. That God keeps coming. Saying, I love you. I want you to get saved. I don't want you to die like you are. It's in that word often. He keeps coming back and says, you going to get saved? You're going to tell me no again? He says, oh, I'm not going to tell him no. I'm just going to put it off. You may put it off too long. I want us to stand tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And I just want the pianist to come tonight and play, maybe just as I am tonight. We're not gonna have any singing. They are standing tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and I want to ask you three questions as she picks out a song tonight. I want to ask you this, nobody looking around. I just want to ask you if you saved. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to say, yes, I'm saved. No, I'm not saved. I'm just asking in your heart, are you saved? Are you ready to meet God tonight? You're not paying attention to what's going on in the news? I'm telling you, Jesus is getting ready to come back. Amen. You better be ready. Number two, tonight, I want to ask you, are we concerned about others if we are saved? Are we concerned? Number three, are we doing anything about it if we are concerned? Are we doing anything about it? Pianist is going to start to play. I'm going to have a word of prayer. And if God's dealing in your heart, I want you to come tonight. Whether you need to get saved or get pray and ask God to help you. Lord, we thank you, God, for the privilege to try to preach your word. I pray, God, that you would help us tonight. Help me, myself, Lord, to be more concerned compassionate. And, Lord, to be able to make a difference, Lord, in the lives of others. God, if there's somebody here tonight... Uh, holding on, trying to uh, figure things out, I pray that you'd make it clear to them, show them their need. Lord, they need to be saved. And God, they'll come and and accept you tonight. Please do a work in this time of invitation. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. If you need to come tonight, I ask you to be obedient to the Lord. Pianist is playing. I I encourage you to come. If you need to come, don't tell God no. You say, what do people think? It doesn't matter what people's going to think. It don't matter. Where are you? Are you saved? Sir, if you died tonight, where are you going to wake up and lift up your eyes? Is it going to be in heaven? Is it going to be in hell? Ma'am, I ask you tonight, if you died tonight, where are you going to lift up your eyes? Where are you going to be for eternity? You say, I'm going to take my chances. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Eternity is a long time to be wrong. Are you saved? Are you saved? If you are saved, what are we doing about it? What are we doing for others? Are we letting our light shine?